Hey y'all, it's Chrissy from Texas. You better hold your snakes and buckle up for a spooky ride and some fucking funny puns. I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 110. And you just heard Chrissy G from Texas, as she said. And Donna is holding on to her Medusa snakes. And <laughs> if you don't know what we're talking about, Chrissy knows because she got the extra content from a 31 Nights of Halloween bonus episode. Mm-hmm. So if you want to know what Chrissy's talking about and all the extra stuff that she's getting... Head on over to patreon.com slash the APC podcast. All right, jumping on in. The first one is called Haunted Everything. Hello, paranormal chicks. First off, I love your podcast. I discovered your podcast when my grams and I were road tripping from Idaho to California, and we both love murder mysteries and paranormal things. We both fell in love with your podcast, and now I'm addicted. Second of all, I have lots of stories, so I might just write them all here. Sorry. Story number one, the hospice. How that just like starts, it sounds like the beginning of a scary book, you know, or like like a chapter in a scary book. Yeah, it really does. I work at a hospice facility, which is not a typical facility type place. It's a seven bedroom house in the middle of a small town in a quiet ranch style neighborhood. I have been working there for about two years now, and in that time, I have firsthand experienced many different things. I have witnessed blinds open by themselves while no one was in the room. We have even had a patient's room get totally trashed in the middle of the night, and the patient that lived in that room was sleeping and could not get out of bed, so there is no explanation for why this room got trashed. When I say trashed, I mean a vacuum tube TV was placed perfectly on the ground and those TVs are heavy. It took two nurses to put it back on the dresser. When they asked the sleeping patient what happened to her room, she said someone was in here, but she wasn't sure who or any details about it. She just knew someone was in there. I've even had spoons fly and nightlights fly out of the sockets. I've had lights turned off, and some of my coworkers have felt someone tap them, and when they turn around, nothing was there. I still work there, and I am a total believer, but since they seem to be destructive, I would always say my Hail Marys as I walk through the halls. Story number two, the haunted jail. I was visiting with some family in Idaho, and me being the ghost hunter I am, I went to the old state penitentiary and it has been a known place for haunting. As we walked through, we went into the women's ward. My grams, sidebar, I love you and your grams, BT dubs, and I love grams. Okay. My grams and I were the only people in the ward because it was a self-tour kind of place, and you could walk around at your own pace. I walked up to one of those closed jail cells where you could see into the cell through a small opening, which was scary enough. Something about looking through peepholes into a scary room gives me horror movie vibes. So I was looking through the peephole when suddenly I felt like I was standing on someone. 
I felt like someone was standing there and I was standing on them and they were saying, hey, personal space, please. But they didn't really say that. I just felt that way. So then I decided to be a ghost hunter and take a picture of where I was standing with a Polaroid camera. When I did and the picture developed, I saw a pink orb right where I was standing. So I was right. Someone was there. I thought it was so cool the orb was pink because the picture was taken in the women's ward. At the same jail, we were walking down a hall, and again, it was just my grams and me, and I felt a bunch of people were walking with us, as if we were in a crowd, but yet we were the only ones there. I couldn't really feel what their energies were like, but I knew they were there. Then we went to another part of the jail, and it was an area where one person was hung. As we were walking up the stairs, right past the hanging area where the body fell down into, I could see and feel a man walking behind me, to the point where I kept looking behind me where I could feel someone behind me. When I looked, I saw a black figure really quick, then it was gone. I kept walking and put the white light around me. That same feeling happened again later when we were walking down a different flight of stairs. I took another picture of the jail with my Polaroid and got another orb. It was definitely an interesting experience. If you were ever in Idaho, I suggest visiting the Old State Penitentiary. Story number three, apparitions in Palm Springs. When I was about eight years old, my family and I went to Palm Springs for a mini vacay. Palm Springs is a tourist city in California, and from where I live in California, it's about two hours away from me. We were all sleeping in the same hotel room because there were only about five of us. I was sleeping in a bed with my aunt when I woke up and looked towards the closet when I saw two apparitions standing by the closet looking at me. One was an older man with old school glasses and a comb over and a striped polo and khaki pants. Next to him was a lady wearing a lilac dress with puffy shoulders and a perm and poofed up hair. For some reason, I didn't get scared and just thought it was my imagination and went back to sleep. When I woke up the next morning, I told my aunt about seeing the people and she said she saw them also, which is when I realized it was not my imagination. Okay, they call this one story five, but there's no story four, so I'm going to read a number of the stories. Story number four, my dead dog. When I was around nine years old, we had to put my Dalmatian down. She had bone cancer and broke her arm from just jumping out of the backseat of the car. We had had her since I was about four years old. I loved the show 101 Dalmatians, and so when she showed up at our front door in the middle of winter, it was fate. I had to give my hugs and kisses to my dog before they took her to the vet before putting her down. A few days after she passed, I opened up the sliding glass door to let my other dogs go outside, and they ran past me to go outside. When all of a sudden, I saw a white flash go by me, and in my mind, I knew that it was my dog running by me to go play outside with her brothers. Story number five, a haunted bookstore. When I was around the age of seven, my grams took me to this bookstore in Ojai, California, which is a town that is very old, and most of the stores are old houses converted. As my grams and I were walking through the house slash bookstore, I just had this overwhelming feeling that someone didn't want us there. I told my grams that I wanted to leave and she also felt the energy, but she didn't want to scare me. It wasn't until we walked down the hall that my grams opened the bathroom door and said, 
Okay, let's go. So he walked out and asked the cashier if they had had any ghost encounters, and he denied it. I have not since been back to that bookstore, but I want to go back and see if I can still feel the energies since now I have learned how to work with them better. Story number six, the Winchester Mansion. I'm not sure if you've heard of it, but the Winchester Mansion is a huge mansion in San Jose, California, where a woman named Sarah Winchester, who is an heir to the Winchester Rifle Fortune, lived in a house by herself. She lost her father, husband, and daughter to tuberculosis all in the span of a year. She was overwhelmed with grief, so she went to a psychic where the psychic told her that she had to keep building and adding to her house. That way the spirits that had been killed by the Winchester's rifles couldn't find her. So since she made $1,000 a day back in 1880, which was a lot back then, and a lot in nowadays, she just built and built. There were staircases that led to nowhere and windows in the ground, and doors that opened to brick walls. The whole house was very weird and eerie. Miss Winchester would have seances every night in a special room with a Ouija board, and she would communicate with the spirits, and they would tell her where and what to build next. In that room, there were 13 hooks on the wall, and 13 panels on the ceiling, and 13 wall panels. She had a weird thing with 13. As we were standing in that room while on the tour, my great-grandmother, who was with me, told me she felt like she was going to pass out in that room because of the energy. I personally did not feel anything in that room, but the next room I felt a horrible feeling and I felt like I couldn't breathe. That was a great place and I suggest going if you like going to creepy and weird places. Sorry these are long and so many. I have many more about past life dreams and sleep paralysis. I hope you read them. Thank you. Creep it real, Abriana. Oh my god, I loved all of those. And Donna, you've been to the Winchester Mansion, right? Yes, I went there. Eighth I think grade? No, my 10th grade year. I almost said 10th grade, but I was thinking it was like before then, obviously, because I said 8th. <laughs> yeah, I went to California in my 6th grade and my... 10th grade year. Where the fuck did I come up with eight? Also, you, but you, <laughs> just in the middle. Yeah, you know, split the difference. Um, but you did that story too, though. No, I haven't. Oh, I made that up too. Cool. Okay, cool. You know nothing about me. <laughs> <laughs> What's your name? I need a new co-host. Okay, <laughs> bye. Oh, gosh. But yeah, that, that place was super eerie, but I loved it. But it was hard. I'm a short person, but Sarah was shorter than me. But the stairs... They didn't say this, but I think they're called witch stairs or something. But they were, like, really short. They were, like, half riser steps. Yeah. Oh, my God. That was a workout because they were just so small. And so it was, like, you had to do double the work, basically. And you would think that I would hate, like, a bigger step. But those, I just, because I'm so scared I'm going to fall down or something. So it's, like, I would get up and be, like, wait, there's nowhere to go. I got to go down. You know? Yes. I'm like, oh my God, I got a belly here I got to work with, people. Okay, to the hospice story though, it sounds like, you know, because I know so much about the paranormal, but it sounds like those are like spirits, entities, whatever, has to do more with the house than people that have passed there before. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think that that is like past residents of the hospice house. 
because hospice houses are usually very peaceful places. I mean, I'm like talking to the person who works there, but you know, who's yeah. like, fucking duh, thanks. But <laughs> you know, it's just, it's usually so peaceful and loving and welcoming. Yeah. And it's a, you know, just, it's a, for lack of a better way to say this, a happy place to die, you know? Yeah. You're comfortable, you're not in pain because they give you all the pain medicine you need. You know, yeah. It's like you're you're clean, you're safe, your family's able to be there, you know, and yeah. so it's like it doesn't have that aggression, that anger, that just malintent feel like that story felt. You know? Yeah. Like it, that story felt like I don't know, sometimes I think of things in colors and like that story felt red, like orange and red. Who are you, Taylor Swift? I hate you right now. <laughs> but like a hospice is like green and blue to me, you know? Also, who are you, Garth Brooks? <laughs> I, I'm really hating you right now. <laughs> Go back to your stairs, okay? <laughs> I love how your mind works. I, you know what? Sometimes when I explain stuff to patients, I'm like, just go with me here. <laughs> because I, I explain stuff in colors like that. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, I know this may sound weird, but this is just how my brain works. So just get just get on this roller coaster with me. Yeah. For and they're like, no, it makes sense. And I'm like, okay, good. Yeah. Also, I want to know what your grams, you know, the one that Carrie wants to be BFFs with and maybe co-host this podcast with. I want to know what she saw in that bathroom. Because right when she opened that door, she was like, yeah, let's go. Yeah, we're out of here. Uh-huh. Yeah. I want to know about that. It was something. So go back, figure that out. Okay? Just don't die. All right. Thank you. And then it sounds like some couple was trying to live their best life in fucking Palm Springs and died. I mean, they were in vacay mode, had the shirt on, had the perm. <laughs> As you would say, the quaffed hair. <laughs> Bouffant, if you will. Living their best life, cut short, maybe. Oh, even after death. Do you believe in life after love? Does your perm, is it really a permanent? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, these are the cutting edge questions that we don't answer. All right, on to the second one. Hello, my beautiful ghouls. So finally, after months of keeping my damn mouth shut, which is very fucking hard for me, uh, me too, girl, I was able to give my best ghoul friend and fellow creepster Sarah her present. You ladies are a big part of our lives, and we appreciate y'all so, so fucking much. There is a video of Sarah opening her gift and us, well, mostly Sarah, ugly crying. So she included that, but... What it was is that she bought Sarah and her, like, T-shirts of ours, the merchandise. And so they just, like, it was on the DL, though. I mean, do you have friends like that? (laughs) If not, you should get some. And our merch store is. No, I'm just joking. She's not because she doesn't know it. (laughs) I I mean, I I don't either. What is it? It's store.paranormalchicks.com. Oh, okay. She does know it. (laughs) While I'm here, I've got a couple of stories for y'all. Picture it. Mid-90s, my parents bought an old ranch-style home in suburban Illinois. My dad tore the whole house down and rebuilt it. Obviously, don't remember much as a baby, but I do remember I always felt some kind of presence in that room. Nothing threatening, but it was there. 
I would get frightened and try to sleep with my parents, but my mama was not as nice as Donna's mama, and I always got kicked out. So late 90s, I'm about two or three years old when I got put in my first big girl bed. I would always fall out of bed, and I remember hitting the floor a couple of times. But most of the time, I would not hit the floor. I'd remember falling, my eyes flying open, and as soon as I thought I was about to hit the floor, something would catch me, and I'd feel as though I was floating. As soon as it would catch me, my eyes would close, and I would not be able to open them until the next morning, no matter how hard I tried. So needless to say, something would catch me and literally tuck me back into bed. I know damn well it was not my parents because I slept with my door closed and my door never opened. And this happened until I moved out of that house. Second story. This one's kind of quick. Maybe. Well, one of my best friends, Katie and I, yes, I have two BFFs, always have had this spiritual connection. We used to work at Buffalo Wild Wings for four years together. Last year, one of our cooks passed away. We were never super close, but would go for after-work drinks or run into each other at the bar. At the time, I didn't know what had happened to him. But about two weeks ago, KT texted me asking me if I remembered said cook, and I said yes, and she goes on to tell me that he came to her in her dream. Basically, she was out with me and a couple of other friends of his that we are also friends with. On her way home, she sees him on the side of the road. Knowing he had passed, she still picked him up. They got to talking. He told her what happened, and sadly, he overdosed. He goes on to tell KT, please tell everyone I'm sorry and that I love them, especially his best friend. We're going to call him B. He even told KT to tell Kylie, me, he said hi. So rewind beginning of quarantine, I never mentioned this to KT, He came to me in a dream. I gave him rides home from work every once in a while when we closed together. So in my dream, I was walking to my car after work and he came running to me asking for a ride home. Nothing was said the whole ride home, but it was a peaceful ride. As he got out of my car, he told me to check his tumbler and vanished away. So, of course, that morning, my detective skills kicked in, and after a good hour, I found his tumbler, and the last blog he made was a day before he died. Meanwhile, I went straight to the drinking tumbler, not <laughs> the social media. Okay, cool. I'm old. I mean, if I wasn't reading it and I saw how she spelled it, I would have went to that same tumbler. Hello, my name is Carrie, and I'm 100 fucking years old. Right. Who was the one who was always friends? Adam? Like, you were always friends with this person on... That was my space. <laughs> Did you see my face? Yes. Oh, my God. I'm Okay. Hi, I'm Donna, and I'm a thousand years old. <laughs> I didn't even have a MySpace. That was not cool enough. I had one, but I don't even think I finished setting it up because I wasn't cool enough. And I couldn't make the decisions I needed to make. No. You know why? Because I was always so scared I wouldn't have friends. Like, nobody would make me one of their, like, top friends. Yeah. And that gave me so much anxiety. I just wasn't going to have one. No, mine was like, what background do I need to do? I don't know. Oh, my God. Just can't do this. See, this is why I don't have, like, to have parties. No, because what if nobody shows up? Like, what if nobody makes me their friend? No. What if nobody likes my pictures if I post it? No, thank you. I don't like this. This is why I don't like to do posts. This is why I don't like to have parties. This is why I don't like to have MySpace. No, ma'am. No, thank you. (laughs) That's funny. That's freaking funny. 
Will they like me? I don't know. Ergo, don't give them the opportunity to not. <laughs> Maybe just don't say ergo and they will. <laughs> the Leo, I mean, I'm like, people are going to love this. That and- is so fucking true. <laughs> I created it. Ergo, they're going to love it. That's you. And it was basically him asking for help because he could not fight his demons anymore and that he was so sorry. So I truly believe he trusted both Katie and I enough to help him and his family and his friends to find peace. And it was just a chilling amazing feeling knowing something like this could happen. That Katie and I were able to have the special connection. Sorry for any grammatical errors. Currently doing this on my phone while sitting in the hospital with my mama. So going back and forth between talking to doctors, listening to your podcast, and typing this. Thank you so much, Carrie and Donna, for always putting a smile on my face and making me laugh my fucking ass off. Thank you to all my fellow creepsters for making me feel comfortable enough to share these experiences with y'all without feeling crazy. I love you guys truly from the bottom of my heart. Creep it real, my bootifuls, and don't ever change. Lots of love from Illinois, Kylie P. First of all, Kylie, we want an update on your mom. Yes, definitely. Even though she would kick you out of her bed at night. It's funny that you say that because when you're reading that part of the story about, like, not as nice as your mama. And then she said that about she had to sleep with her door closed. I was like, damn, she wouldn't let you sleep in there. And she made you sleep with the door closed. Right? Double whammy. Damn. I always thought that on movies when they would close the kid's door. I was like, my door was never closed as a kid. Mine wasn't until it was because... uh You were a teenager. Well, me and Tiffany would be really loud because we'd be cracking each other up. Yeah, it's like once you become a certain age, yeah, you close it because you like, ugh, parents, gross, and you want to keep them out. But, I mean, when you're a kid and there's like monsters. Yeah. Fucking leave my door open. When I would sleep with my mom, her door was open. Well, yeah, the whole damn house is in her bed. Of course it's open. <laughs> Besides the demons that would sleep underneath my side of the bed. Thanks, Kenneth. Well, and Freddy Krueger in the closet. My poor mama, she had no relief. Like, bless her heart. Now, knowing what it feels like to sleep with, like, a dog and stuff who just wants to be, like, right on top of you and not move. And I'm like, get the fuck off of me sometimes. I'm very sorry because I was that person. But I was a person. Yeah. And you can't say, get the fuck off of me. I mean, you can she probably did and probably hurt my feelings. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I don't think she said that. No, she probably didn't. She probably said, I don't know, something clever. Your mom was good. She probably. was probably squishing my ass and I, I like the pressure. You, Which is probably why <laughs> you're like, I need pressure now. <laughs> I mean, you know, I was just smothercated as a child. <laughs> <laughs> you probably thought y'all were playing like a cocoon game. Really, you were all fucking sharing a full-size bed. Look, whenever I want to feel better about myself, I just know. Like, when Carrie's like, you were a teenage sleeping with your mom. You know what? Kenneth, my brother, was four years older than me, and he was sleeping with her, too. You weren't a teenager sleeping with her, were you? I mean... I would I would be a teenager sleeping with my mom when my dad would be working out of town. No, I know. But yeah, if dad was working out of town, I always slept with mom. 
All right, the next one is story for sinister sightings. The time I almost became the subject of my own true crime story. Hi, Donna and Carrie. I figured that after emailing you guys multiple times about nonsense, that I would send you an actual story instead of just bullshitting with you guys. If you guys decide to read this on the show, you can use my first name. Picture it. 2005, and my ex-husband, boy bye, and I were still dating. She said that, not me. He lived with his family about an hour away from where I was living with my family. P.S. Moving back home with your parents sucks. I would drive down to see him on Fridays, and we would get a hotel in his town so we could get down and dirty without the prying eyes of family. <laughs> I mean, woman after my own heart. Mm-hmm. Because if you had a little sister like me, you know I would bust in on you. We've all heard the stories, Donna. Mm-hmm. Multiple. Yes. Stories. <laughs> <laughs> Wait a minute. Mr. Postman will never be the same for anyone. Thank you. <laughs> well, this one particular weekend, there was a race going on, so all of the hotels in his town were booked. We had been out drinking very heavily and had no business driving on the roads, but decided to drive north to my town and find a hotel. I had no business getting behind the wheel, but unfortunately, I did anyway. I made it the 70 miles to my town and was exiting the highway when I hit the curb and blew out my tire. My ex had been sleeping in the seat next to me, and I woke up screaming as the tire blew. He began to yell and scream, and who knows exactly what was said. All I know in the haze of alcohol is that we began to argue badly. All the while, I'm driving down the road with my tire fucked up. It was two or so in the morning, and thankfully, there were no other cars on the road to witness this mess. I made it about two miles down the road when the tire was completely gone, and it was just metal on the ground. We were screaming at each other. I was crying. The tire was sparking. It was a mess. I pulled off the road and into a shopping center, and my ex-husband got out of the car to see the damage. I got out as well, and the fight continued. It was such a mess, and so was he. Neither of us was making any sense, and he just stormed off. Stormed off down the road, and I was left there crying. I remember being so upset that he would just walk off and leave me, and I was wondering what I was going to do now. Had a cell phone, but I was not about to call my parents after drunk driving home and fucking up my car. All of a sudden, an SUV pulls up behind my car in the shopping center. A young guy got out, maybe in his early 20s. He came over to me and was very concerned that I was alone and crying and my car was undrivable. I remember being weirded out by him and not at all comfortable by him being there. There was no one else around us at all. I was totally deserted. I explained to him through tears that my boyfriend and I had a fight and he left me there. He grabbed my arm and started to lead me to his vehicle. I was so upset and drunk that I let him lead me into his SUV. Once the door closed, I began to feel scared, like I should not be here. He drove the SUV off, and I began to really feel like I had fucked up big time. But a few moments later, there ahead of us in the headlights was my ex-husband. I yelled, that's my boyfriend, pull over right now. The guy who picked me up was really taken aback by this. He didn't slow down, though. I rolled the window down, hugged my head out, and screamed my ex's name. My ex-husband heard me and saw me hanging out of the window. He stood in the road and waited for the driver to stop. 
The guy stopped the SUV, thank God, and I jumped the fuck out of there so fast. My ex was very confused as to what I was doing with this guy and where he was taking me. My ex and I ended up walking the rest of the way to my parents' house and we dealt with the car the next day. I never saw that SUV or that guy again. Every time I hear a true crime story of a girl getting into a car and never being seen again, I think about that night and how lucky I am. I'm three years sober and now I'm married to my second husband. I still think back to this and I'm thankful that I made it out of that situation alive. Between the drunk driving and the creepy SUV guy, this story could have been a very different ending. Sorry for such a long email, and I hope it wasn't too all over the place. I love you ladies, and please keep doing what you do. You're keeping me sane during this wild time. Sincerely, Donna. Oh my gosh. Well, I love just your normal bullshitting emails, but oh my gosh, this one was hard-hitting. Like, I was like, (gasps) this whole time. Yeah, you are so lucky. So lucky. Like you said, on all accounts, I mean, you drove, I mean... Just from the drive, I mean, 70 miles, golly. Yeah. I can picture that. Like, like the it was, yelling, the yes. driving, like the cart, like the, the tiring, and just like yelling over each other. Neither one of you making any sense because you're both so drunk that it's like, yes. it's just, just chaos. A fight. Yes. And then, like, like a fucking snake in the fucking brush coming up behind you. Right at the perfect moment. Mm-hmm. Like how they find you. How they know, like, oh, she's stranded. Let me just go up. You know? Right. What if his windows had been locked? Right. What if? I know. And you wouldn't have been able to roll the window. You know what I mean? Like, I that's know. like. I know. What's scary is that if he did this to the next person, I bet he locked the windows. Yeah. I bet he did, too. And you know, because, you know, they learn yeah. as they go. And it's like. Yeah. It's just so scary. Yeah. Oh. I always check. (laughs) Well, I don't even get in Ubers a lot. Like, seriously, the first one I did was. It was in Atlanta? Yeah. Look at me remembering shit. Finally. Hey. But yeah, it was in Atlanta. Anytime I'm in someone's car, it doesn't matter if it's someone I know's car. It's just like, I look at their locks. The child lock? The child lock, but e- no, not really. Like, their actual locks. Because a lot of them are on the side now. Yeah. But back in the day on, I think it was on Hostel, I want to say. And it might have not have been. Y'all know. Y'all know. Y'all correct me because I'm terrible at remembering this shit. But the locks was like razor blades or whatever. And so if someone like got in the taxi... They couldn't get out because it's locked. Yeah. And you can't pull up on the thing because it's going to just slice your fingers. Yeah. And like, when do you have something like, oh, here's some pliers. Hold on. You know, like, no, I don't have that. So I don't know. I always just look at that. So just thinking about like the windows lock thing. Oh, my gosh. And I keep my windows locked all the time. Yeah. So not even being a creeper, I would have my windows locked. Oh, gosh. I'm just so glad that you were safe, and now you're in a great marriage, and... Congrats on your sobriety. Yes. Yes. And thank you for sharing that, because I think that can help a lot of people. Absolutely. All right. The next one is Bigfoot, question mark. 
A while back, I used to help a friend who did ghost tours in Columbia, South Carolina. We took people to this dirt road that's known for being very haunted. Everyone in the area knows of the road. It's called Old State Road. The road was at the time closed off on both ends so no traffic could drive down it. That made the long, dark walk down the road in the middle of the night so creepy. Some nights after we had tours, we would go back out there after the people on the tour had left. On this night, we decided to explore a different area past where we normally go. We would use EMF meters, spirit boxes, and other things like that on our trips out. We walk over this old bridge and all of a sudden we get this strong odor like something is dead. We are all looking around like what in the heck is that? Covering our noses, gagging. It's potent. Our friend who led the tours pulls out the spirit box, turns it on, and says, what is that horrible smell? Over the spirit box, we all heard the word monkey. We laugh, what a monkey, what in the heck are they talking about? So we say, there's no monkeys here. Then we hear Bigfoot come across the spirit box by a different voice. We're all standing there in shock. We ask, so Bigfoot is here? We get an answer, yes. I had heard a story of Bigfoot from my mom. She saw him as a kid, and I always kind of thought it was BS. But the one thing I did remember from my mom's story was when she talked about the horrible smell her and her friends smelled after he walked in front of them. I ask if the smell is him. Then we get a yes from the spirit box. We never did see anything, but after a few minutes went by, the smell went completely away and never returned after hanging out in the area for over an hour. I went out with her so many times and have so many more stories. Thanks for reading Creep It Real, Nikki. You know, that is what they say. They say like skunk ape for Bigfoot. I guess I've heard skunk ape, but I never put it together that it was because it stunk. <laughs> like, I, I never knew that Bigfoot stunk. Yeah. Ew. Okay, so apparently I need to cover Bigfoot. Yes. Okay, okay. Yeah, I don't know shit about Bigfoot other than, you know, he ain't real. Don't let Patrick Hines hear you say that. That is wild that one in the back of your mind, you've heard this story, you know, and then on the spirit box, just randomly, y'all get confirmation for that story. I can tell you one thing, Nikki. I don't want to fucking smell it. No. Smell you Mm -mm. not later. Yeah. No, no, no. Mm -mm. Though I will say I'm so gross because... If I haven't smelled like a polecat or a skunk or anything in a long time, when I finally smell one again, it's like, oh, country. Yeah. God, we are not the same. (laughs) And when I smell it, I'm like, I mean, it's not like I want to smell it every day, but like, I don't know. It's, I don't know. I'm weird, I guess. Yeah, you're nasty. (laughs) Fucking Pepe Le Pew loving bullshit. (laughs) I do like Pepe you. <laughs> Even though he's problematic. He is very problematic. But <laughs> I love him. Because he's me. <laughs> and I'm the cat. Get the fuck away from me. 
<laughs> this is why we work. <laughs> okay, the next one is called Shadow Man Mystery. Hello, ladies. First, I want to say I absolutely love your podcast. I listen to it every day at work. It helps me through so much. This story is a bit of a long one, so buckle up and grab some snacks. Oh, how do you know us so well? What kind of snacks are we getting? You know what? Y'all let us know what you think our favorite snacks are. Oh, that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Okay. This happened about 20 years ago. I was five years old at the time. I lived in a rural farm town in the middle of nowhere, Tennessee. My family and I lived in a very old farmhouse. Two bedrooms, one bath. Very small. It was my mom, my dad, and my two siblings. My mom had just found out she was pregnant with my youngest brother and decided she wanted a bigger house on the property. We ended up tearing down this old farmhouse. Once we did that, life was very strange and very different for us. Once we got our new house on the property, things seemed great. My mom was even able to put a computer room up for us to play The Sims for hours on end. One day, my mom, my sister, and I were in the computer room, which was in the back of the house, when we hear a car pull up in the driveway. My mom suddenly said, well, that's weird. Your dad shouldn't be home for a couple of hours, and your grandpa isn't due to check on the cows until tomorrow. She gets up and looks out the window, and she saw no car in the driveway. She chalked it up to someone just turning around. My sister and I went to get something to drink from the kitchen. While walking into the kitchen... I look out onto our back porch and saw what looked like my dad walking around to the side of the house. I told my sister and she said, no, mom already said no one's here. I agreed and we headed back to the computer room and my sister saw the same shadow around the side of the house, except this time it was heading for our back porch. My sister and I screamed and ran to our mom, letting her know what happened. She said, okay, enough is enough. She went outside and she looked around the house and at our neighbor's house to see if anyone saw the person who was lurking around our house. They didn't see it either. Mind you, our neighbors were ancient at the time and I really doubt they were out lurking. My mom calls my dad and asks where he's at. He tells her he's still at work and he's not due home for a couple more hours at that time. My mom brushed it off and went back to the computer room. We sat with her, and then we heard all of the doors in the house slam shut and the lights went off. My mom grabbed us, and she took us to the kitchen and huddled around the table. She flipped the breakers and came back inside, grabbed us, and we left for the day. We never were able to determine whether it was a weird coincidence or if the paranormal made it known they were mad about us moving this new house there. This wasn't the last time we saw the shadow man. But this was one of the first times anyone saw it. Sorry for the long story. If you want more, just let me know. I have plenty of paranormal experiences to share with you guys. I'm sensitive to it. Thanks for all you do. I'm not sure if they want their name read, but uh, yeah, girl, send all that in. Hell yeah. We want to know all about that creepy farmhouse business. All about the cows and all the things. Yes. And I would have been like, oh, something creepy's outside, but uh, let's go play on the computer. <laughs> like that would have been me. I would have been like, oh, hmm. And then be like, Mom, the computer's off. Mom. Somebody beeped in and it cut off our internet. <laughs> Mom. She'd be like, uh, the whole fucking house is off, Donna. Mom, the computer's off. I played The Sims when it first came out. But then I think my brother told me a cheat code where you can get all the money you wanted. And you didn't have to go to work then. And it made it unfun because, like, 
you didn't have to play the game, really. Yeah. And, like, that is the game, especially yeah. then. Like, there wasn't all, like, the little packs and all of that. You could ex- expansion packs and all of that. So, I don't know. I was like, boo. I hate this now because <laughs> I don't know. I never played it. This is why I can't cheat because it ruins shit for me. Yeah, I don't like cheating. Mm-mm. But I, I did like it. But you couldn't really actually talk to anyone. You know, it wasn't like... Oh, if, like, you played it, I couldn't talk to you in the game. Like, when it first came out, it was just, we were in our own little mm-hmm. bubbles or whatever. Or at least that's how I interpreted it. I don't know. Maybe my brother just didn't want me to talk to him. I don't know. I mean, that's probably true. That's probably true. But that is so fucking creepy, though, to hear a car pull up, and then you see, like, a shadow of a man creeping around like, yeah, somebody was there. Yeah. I wonder if it was like a, um, well, then it turned off the power and stuff, so never mind. But I was just going to say if it was a, like if it was a residual haunting, you know, since. Oh, yeah. Like if that was just like the but, routine, but. But no, because it was the new house, yeah, too. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, like Carrie said, send us all the stories. Okay, the next one. Hey, beautiful ladies, I'm currently one of the newer fans that found this golden podcast due to an ad by Patrick Hines on one of the Obsessed podcasts. With that being said, I'm still on the mid-2019 section of your recording, so I may not be up to date with the current inside jokes, but I'm okay with having much more binging material before I catch up. Anyways, my story may not qualify as scary or actual sinister sighting, but it does have two parts that come together in the end. When I was around nine years old, I remember having the worst nightmare anyone, much less any child, should experience. In my dream, my little brother Danny, who was three years younger, and I were on the floor playing with his action figures as we normally did in real life. In the dream, while my bro and I were minding our own business playing, my mother's boyfriend at the time got into a zombie-like state, started walking towards my brother, grabbed him by the neck, and released him as he fell over the balcony. As he was doing this, I recall screaming in my dream, Stop! Stop! Let him go! But my mom's boyfriend paid me no mind and just simply let my brother drop. I ran towards the balcony, looked over, and saw my brother on the ground, dead, with blood running out of his mouth. I woke up in a panic, hyperventilating, only to see my brother in real at the end of my bed playing with his toys. I was so relieved that it was just a nightmare that I hugged him so tightly and gave him a huge kiss. He looked at me a little grossed out because I wasn't normally the sweet older sister to him at all times especially after waking up. I ran to tell my mother about the horrible nightmare, and she comforted me by saying that usually nightmares mean the opposite will happen, and I have nothing to worry about. About two months later, Danny and I were riding our bikes to school, like we had been doing for the last few weeks. It was a typical morning, and I was in the fifth grade while he was in the first grade. For some reason, I woke up with a little anxiety that morning, and I told my brother to get in front of me because by now we both knew the path very well, and also because I was afraid 
that if he fell or something, the morning traffic wouldn't allow me to hear him. So I wanted to be able to keep my eyes on him. All was well until we approached the last small crosswalk before getting to the elementary school. It was a simple crosswalk that cars had to stop before turning either left or right into the main road. Well, we were about 10 feet away from the crosswalk, a car had stopped and it appeared as if the car had stopped with noticing that my brother was about to cross. And by the way, this was not a regular car. It was a cable company van, so it was pretty high up. The van made a complete stop. My brother assumed he had stopped for him to cross, but to my horror, he didn't. From my vantage point, I saw the whole thing, and to this day, it replays in slow, horrid motion. I remember screaming, stop, stop, to both the van and my brother. By this time, he had already run over him completely, and I just remember swinging off of my bike, sprinting toward the cable van, pounding on his door for him to stop, and looking down at my little brother. He had blood running out of his mouth, completely lifeless. I was in so much shock, I couldn't speak or scream. The driver of the van was shaking when he got out of the car and seemed to be in complete shock as well. A good Samaritan walking her children to school saw the whole thing and ran to pin me down to the floor away from the scene so I wouldn't see the rest of the nightmare. I just kept yelling, let me go, and I need to save my brother, but she wouldn't budge. Moments later, an ambulance came, placed my baby brother in a stretcher, and for the last time, I heard him moan in what I can only hope was an unconscious state because according to the paramedics, he died just moments after on his way to the hospital. Oh my God. Even though it was the 20th year this year since his passing, I still have mourned him every day in some fashion. Like, just typing this is enough to make me bawl my eyes out. The shock factor that it had on me and my family, especially my mother, was unbearable. It made me grow up very quickly, but it also made me appreciate life in ways I didn't before. Anyways, it took me a few years to realize that there could have been a connection between the nightmare I had just two months before my brother passing and the actual event. Although they weren't identical, there were similarities, like the fact that a man was driving the van and that in the dream, my mom's boyfriend grabbed my brother. Also, me yelling, stop, stop, in both the dream and real life. And lastly, the last image I had in both scenarios. Throughout my life, I have had other situations where I've had a dream and literally a few days or weeks later, it's come to life in some way. I don't claim to have this power or that it happens every single time, but just two examples are when I had a dream that my phone screen cracked. I always had my phone in a case, so that seemed unlikely to me, but in real life, I took my phone out of its case the day after the dream to clean the case and boom, it fell and cracked. Another time was when I had a dream that I cut my leg so badly that it needed stitches. Well, guess what happened the next day? I sure as hell got a cut so gnarly that it was a miracle I didn't bust an artery. But I sure as shit needed stitches on that. Those are simpler yet mysterious examples. It doesn't happen every single time I dream something, but when it does, I kind of wonder what the hell it means and why. 
Not that I can even prove this to anyone. It's not like I race to social media or anyone to tell them a rundown of my dreams. It's usually after the fact that I make the connection. Okay, now that I've told you about my brother and his story, let me connect this to part two. I'm an ER nurse. One day, a few months ago, January 2020, I was taking care of a woman who was beat the fuck up from her boyfriend slash partner slash piece of shit guy. Anyways, the woman was apparently known to some of my coworkers as, quote, crazy ass Maria, but I had never met her until that fateful morning. She lived an unfortunate life, and it was obvious she had some mental health problems. I believe it was bipolar mixed in with some schizophrenia. She was an absolute bloody mess from the beating she got, with fresh and dried blood on her scalp, face, mouth, along with a very bruised up body. She would be hysterically crying one minute saying how she hated that son of a bitch, and the next moment she would be saying that she probably deserved it, and God forgives everyone, including him, blah, blah, blah. Poor thing, God. I know. My coworkers glanced at me with relief that they didn't have to take care of, quote, Crazy Maria, but to be honest, I felt such a sadness in my heart for her. Instead of thinking her being crazy or doing this to herself because of her obvious years of drug abuse, I felt such a pity for her and heard her out, helped her shower, gave her fresh donated clothes and socks, and fed her. Throughout all of this, She would ramble on incoherently at times, but at other times, she had some moments of lucidness that were actually impressive. Now, this is where the story connects. When we came back to her room in the ER after I helped her wash her bloody head and body, she was saying how grateful she was for me. Then, out of the clear blue sky, she said, Now, I know you're not going to believe me, but I see things. I'm sensitive to things. I was like, "Uh uh-huh. She said, I don't know why, but I see that you're going to be pregnant soon. I laughed. Hell no, not yet, I thought. Then she goes, I also seem to be getting the letter D in my mind for some reason. I feel as if the name Danny or Daniela is significant to you. It means a lot to you, and you will be naming your child with the name similar to that. What the fuck, I thought to myself. Literally, Maria has been speaking this whole time about herself. Never had I ever said anything about myself, much less my personal life. How does this make any sense? Granted, Danny isn't super uncommon of a name, but to guess that as your first guess, especially to me, well, that shit is not coincidence. Since it was January, I didn't have a mask yet to hide my facial expression, so I just played it off with a soft smile and said, huh, That's interesting. I do like the name Danny, actually. I didn't reveal anything else to her, but had to excuse myself for a short cry in the bathroom. About the pregnancy, I am not indeed pregnant, nor plan to be in the very near future. But if it happens, then you guessed it. My little boy would have the name Daniel attached to him somehow. Not sure about a girl, but the point is, I have always made that declaration about future children. How a complete stranger mentioned that to me in the most random of moments will always be a mystery to me. 
Damn, I realized I just typed a long ass story. I hope that I didn't make it too long or complicated to understand. I really hope you ladies keep rocking on with this podcast forever. I love you ladies and am happy to have found your show. Creep it real, Natalie from Florida. P.S. You can absolutely say my name. That story about Danny breaks my heart. Yes. You were so young. He was so young. We are so sorry for your loss. And to be a witness to it. And the domino effect of the people who were around, too, that probably think about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, not in the same ways and not every day like you do, but the man that was driving the van and the woman that was protecting you that was walking her kids to school. You know, yeah. they're going to deal with it the rest of their lives, too. You know, it's a, a domino effect from everyone that yeah. was involved. But I just cannot even imagine what you know, you and your mother and your family went through. No. Maria was lucky to have you as a nurse that day because you did what a nurse is there to do. You took care of her and didn't shame her for her mental illness and victim blame her for what she's facing because nobody knows how they're going to react when they're in an abusive situation. And it's so easy to say, well, just walk away. We'll just do this. We'll just do this. We'll just do this. Well, you could literally say that about any situation in your life. And are you just living your best fucking life? No, you're not. Nobody is doing just what they should be doing all the fucking time. And unless you're doing that, you have no fucking idea what you would be doing if you were in an abusive relationship. Yeah. Are you waking up every time the fucking alarm goes off the first time? Are you just eating Two servings of vegetables and a meat and a fucking starch every time you put a meal on your plate? Right. Are you just doing every fucking thing you should be doing every second of the day? Oh, you're not? Then you don't know what you would be. You know, you don't know what yeah. you fucking do. Yeah. You have no idea when you've been in a relationship with someone for a long time and they've groomed you and brainwashed you and made you feel like you were worthless and could do no better, you know? And yeah. then you get in that situation and then you add schizophrenia or bipolar or another men, or another personality disorder on top of it you literally have no idea and to shame someone or to treat someone as a healthcare professional differently because of that shame on you yeah because that's literally what you're there for and that's coming from me a healthcare provider so that's literally what we're there for is to help people when they need us. So if you can't do that, shame on you. Get out of the fucking profession. She's lucky that she had you that day. Also, I just have to say that Natalie has an alpaca planner on her desk and she named it Donna. <laughs> <laughs> There's that Leo we know so well. Bringing it right back to her. <laughs> How do we solve a problem like Maria? Oh, we have Donna. We don't need the Maria. <laughs> oh, but girl, I would have had to excuse myself and um, I wouldn't have been able to work after that because I would have ugly cried and probably made myself throw up from crying so hard. About Maria guessing Danny or yeah. Daniela or whatever. Yeah. And when I throw up, I have to shit too. <laughs> At the same time. And you, and you know you that a hospital room It would, is, like, reverberate against the walls. Like, oh. everyone in the emergency room would know that you just threw up. Mm-hmm. And I'd have to slink out. Gotta go. Bye. What's his name? Randall? That 
from Monsters Inc. Okay, I went straight to the dog from Toy Story, and you went to <laughs> Monsters Inc. What does that say about us? Well, that we're a kid at heart. And yet, two seconds later, we can make some wildly inappropriate joke. It's a dichotomy that is we. <laughs> All right, the next one is Hey, beautiful girls, hey! You ladies are incredible. I've been itching to write you one of the stories I have or want to have within my family. Here's one that has stuck with me and my cousin. I grew up in a religious household, church every Sunday, and private schools during elementary school. We would visit my grandparents in Florida probably once a year. Every Christmas or birthday, they would buy all the grandkid girls these two-foot nun dolls, and not the kind of dolls you could play with, and the boys' priest dolls. Great gifts for kids. Big eye roll. They wrote that, not me. You know what I would say? Um, this year, I want none. <laughs> but, like, I get none it. of it. None. Yeah, I get it. Vintage. Okay. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> My grandpa was super duper religious. He was part of the Knights of Columbus. He even had a private room in the house with double doors that opened up to a small chapel in his house with a small altar and statues couch, and chairs to chill in. We were rarely allowed in there, and it def gave me major creeps. One year while visiting my grandparents, I had to have been about seven years old. There was a day where my cousin Lindsay, who was only two years older than me, and I were allowed into the chapel to play checkers on one of those blanket checker sets you usually play on while you wait at Cracker Barrel, because there was too many adults and we wanted to play and chill together. We began to set up the checkers, and lo and behold, we were missing one of the checker pieces. Keep in mind, these checkers are huge. Like, one is the size of my entire palm, so it's hard to just lose. We were looking around on the floor where we were sitting, and all of the fucking sudden, it rolls out from behind the couch and stops next to the checkerboard. Oh my god, my eyes are watering just writing this. When the checker falls, my cousin and I look up at each other and run out as fast as we can get out of that chapel. We wouldn't go back in. I don't think any of the adults believed us. It puzzles her and I to this day. We are now in our 30s and the story still gives us the heebie-jeebies. Be on the lookout for other stories I have. Stay spooky. XOXO. Katie with a C from Chicago. Oh, no, 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 no. And also, the checkers are black or red. So, those are, like, the scary colors anyway. If something, like, ominous is happening, and there's, like, a black big checker rolling or a big red one rolling, it's, like, danger or... Fire. More danger. Danger or death. Like, no, I don't want either. And I totally always played that, like... I would beg Tiffany, please play checkers with me. But we had a little checker set that we would play at her step-grandparents' house, which were next door to her. And we would play, like, in their, like, formal living room. And why? Why would we go over there to play checkers? But we would. All the time. Just something different. A change of scenery. Yeah. You know, they're probably like, oh, my God, they're so fucking loud. Fucking kids out of here. <laughs> oh, two pieces missing. Sorry. But we you sure know, did. They probably kept it so hot in their house that y'all would get the fuck out of there. 
They probably did. I was probably sweating down a, like, whew. All right, the last one. A short alien story. Hello, friendos. Recently, I've had a very strange experience with technology that has yet to be explained, despite some expert opinions. I've attached the video that goes along with this story, and it's a TikTok. Basically, I was trying to fix an audio issue on a device that was coded by myself and my husband. I was trying to accomplish this by going into the coding and trying different commands. Since I had just bought the keyboard I was using, I was pressing different keys to see what their assignments were. On the left of the keyboard are the keys G1 through G6. I noticed that G2 through G6 were already assigned within the source code. When G2 through G6 are pressed, their respective number was generated in the code, totally normal. However, when G1 is pressed, a very peculiar text was generated. The message generated reads, five period, alien abduction experience period, and then a new line, abduction. What? Since this device was coded by us, there's no reason for this assignment to be present. A prompt at the bottom of the screen appeared, which indicated a source file. I look at our device quizzically, since there should be no files written on the drive whatsoever. Upon checking the prompt further, it says that the file source was coming from YouTube. I checked the G1 assignment within the source code and tried to find the source link to YouTube that it was describing. There was absolutely nothing in the code that would prompt this assignment, prompt, or source file. I've asked input from other techies and no one has offered an explanation as of yet. What makes this all the more interesting is that I've had extraterrestrial experiences since childhood. I recently got professional hypnotherapy for memory regression and lost time, but that's another story for another time. Creep it real and don't get probed, Nicole Gable. You can use my name. I don't know if I feel smarter or dumber from this story. Like, to note, he, like hearing all these code things like G1 and YouTube and words. Right. I'm like, I know YouTube. I really, I can't tell, am I smarter from that, or do I really realize that I don't know shit? Oh, I'm dumber from that, because I don't know anything. I'm like, I know F1, I know the function keys, and they never work for me. I'm like, what do you mean your computer has G1 on it? Your keyboard has G1. Like, you hold down the G and you press one? <laughs> yeah, what are you talking like, about? Mm-hmm. You got G1 on your keyboard. I don't understand. Coding is hard. And by coding, I just mean the HTML shit. I I can't even do actual coding. C++, uh, (laughs) negative. That was her average in school. (laughs) Very funny. What we'll do is we will do her TikTok on our Instagram stories the day this comes out. So Thursday. Just so y'all get that visual. And y'all can follow her. Because she got like a famous cat now. Well, I don't know what all that means, but I do know that it means it's something weird. And um, you in danger, girl. <laughs> right? Um, update us, have you been abducted? Also, don't kink shame me. I like to be probed. I, I don't think that she was complaining. Mm, mm. 
But um, I do want to hear more about it. So uh, send that in, please. Yes, definitely. We don't need videos of the probing, though. Speak for yourself. <laughs> well, these were a wide variety. Love this. Sad, funny, true crime, paranormal, extraterrestrial. Loved it all. If y'all have your own stories, please send them in. Aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. Long, short. Just like Donna's men. Damn. And remember. Creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.